Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern-day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. All right, well, good morning, everyone. This is Don Johnson with the Proclaim and Defend podcast. I'm here with my friend Jim Tillotson. Now, uh, he is currently the president of Faith Baptist Bible College and Seminary in Ankeny, Iowa, where we held our annual meeting uh, this last summer. Uh, he is the former pastor of Meadowlands Baptist Church in Edmonton, Alberta, which is a special place to me. That's where I was born. I was, I'm an Edmontonian by birth. Hmm. The, uh, now, Jim, I bet you don't know, uh, when we first met. You don't recall the exact date and place. Do you, do you remember that? Um, I thought it wasn't it in, uh, Calgary at a meeting? Oh, maybe it was Calgary. I thought it was in Saskatoon. At it might the, have been. It at might the, have been. uh, the, um, WCBF Western Canadian WCBF meeting in, uh, in Saskatoon. And I checked in my daytimer and the, uh, that was in October of 2004. Wow. <laughs> so that's almost 19 years ago. So maybe we met in Calgary before that. I wonder if we did that. But in yeah. any case, uh, we've had a long time, uh, friendship and relationship and, We've, uh, appreciated your ministry for a long time. Uh, Edmonton, uh, I mean, though it's my place and my birth, it is a thousand miles away from where I live and it's hard to get there from here. <laughs> so I didn't get over that often. Not enough, certainly. So, uh, Jim writes a column for us in Frontline called, uh, with the word to the world. And just, uh, before we talk about the column, I noticed that slogan on some of the walls there in your, uh, on the campus of, uh, Faith Baptist. And I just wondered, um, if, if that's something that you sort of adopted as a, as something you want to em- emphasize with your students. It is, uh, you know, uh, as you know, I'm very passionate about evangelism. And, uh, when I got approached to write an article, um, I kind of said, well, what, what do you want this to be? And, uh, they said, well, we, we'd love to have it be on evangelism. And so, uh, faith slogan is with the word to the world. So I did kind of steal it from faith. Uh, but, uh, it really is, is my heart's desire that we train students to take the word to the world. And, uh, also, uh, that we encourage people to be evangelistic. You know, it's interesting when I pastored, you know, you only know your church and, uh, we saw God do an amazing work in Edmonton. We saw hundreds of people come to Christ. Um, and we just kind of thought that's what's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I started traveling as a college president, you know, and I think when you're a pastor, you kind of always wonder what is happening in everyone else's churches and what's going on. And yeah. I never thought that I'd have an opportunity like this. And I travel all the time. And I would say that, um, it's not a lack of desire. You know, I mean, I think every pastor would say we want to see people saved. Uh, but it does seem like some churches are seeing it and some aren't. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our theme for the annual conference this year yeah. was evangelism and discipleship. And honestly, personally, I thought it was the best preaching on those two topics. Um, you know, sometimes you go to a conference, and you're like, oh, that one sermon was really great or that. I, mm-hmm. I honestly walked away feeling like every keynote speaker hit a home run. And yeah. I, I was personally, I'm passionate about evangelism, but I was even more encouraged and more challenged. Uh, at the end of that conference, I, I just, 
you know, really, really was blessed by the, the speakers. Some I had never even heard before. And I just personally felt like that was, it was so, so good. I've told so many people go on the FBFI website and listen to those sermons because I just thought that was just really, really good preaching on that topic. But, um, I just feel like churches are dying primarily because we're not reaching lost people. I, and, think, I think that's right. Absolutely. And I just feel like if we, and discipleship's important. You know, it's the other side of the coin. You need to do evangelism and discipleship. And I see some evangelistic churches that are terrible at discipleship, you know, so you, you need to be good at both. But I do think it's a both and, not a one or the other. And I would say that a lot of churches I go to heavily tilt toward discipleship uh, because in a sense, that's what a lot of church people want. I, I want to be fed. I want to, I don't want you to challenge me to get out of my comfort zone. Uh, I just want to come to church and be blessed personally. And I think that um, if we can start challenging our people that it's about, you know, people are going to die and go to hell. Like mm-hmm. it matters. And, and it's great that you're growing spiritually, but if you really are growing spiritually, you have to have a burden for lost people. And you see that all through the Bible but honestly, in my travels, that's not what I'm seeing. I, I'm not seeing, uh, you know, and I think COVID maybe revealed how weak a lot of our churches are. I think, I think we all thought our churches were stronger than they really were. And, mm. you know, when people are fighting over mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, yeah. how they treated their pastors. I mean, I had pastors that just quit the ministry because they were like, man, I've pastored these people for 10 years and this is how they treat me and this is how they treat <laughs> each other. Yeah. I mean, pastors just felt like failures. They felt like, man, was anyone listening to anything I've been preaching for the last 10 years? And, yeah. and it was super discouraging. And I, and I just think, you know, my, my heart is to encourage the average person to get a burden for reaching lost people. Right. Absolutely. And I think actually those two years, I think revealed the kind of fear that pervades our culture and, and give us a real opportunity to talk to people. Yeah. Um. Oh, in in reading uh, your columns, uh, your recent ones, I I did I I try to read everything that's in Frontline, and uh, and uh, so I refreshed myself on uh, well the actually the last two columns, and I I think the latest one is just out, and that seemed to be a bit of a rehash of your or at least the notes of your sermon from from uh, it was <laughs> conference. I could hear your voice giving us that exhortation. <laughs> but you know, um, creating that culture of of evangelism is, uh, you know, I, I guess I feel like when I was uh, a student at college at Bob Jones, we were out every weekend uh, witnessing and so forth. And in some ways, you know, like it seems like uh, you know the direct canvassing and door to door type of work we do it. It can be very discouraging, and I would say in a, I don't know what it's like in other cities, but in a city like Victoria, uh, it can be quite a negative experience. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons that people have sort of lost the spirit. They, they got, they're easily discouraged and intimidated by that kind of negative experience. So what would, what's the bet, what would you say we should do to cultivate that spirit of, um, I think, I think there's a couple of things. Door hangers work really good and that's super easy. And 
um, when we plant, you know, we planted churches out of our church in Edmonton. And when we plant, we try and canvas the whole town. And uh, so we would just have door hangers and it's just as fast as you can go up and down the street. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun thing, but on the door hanger, you're giving information about your church, plan of salvation and a website. And, um, I think how you create the door hanger matters. I think it, you know, have a picture of a family, you know, I mean, be, be aware. I mean, I, I seen one church had a picture of a baby sucking a bottle and their theme was as newborn babes desire sincere milk of the word. Well, that's <laughs> just weird to lost people. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I think exactly. you gotta, if you're creating your door hanger, you got to think about lost people and, you know, how are they going to look at it and, you know, just put some normal people on the picture and just, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, don't, don't have a guy wearing a suit, just, just have a normal family and, you know, yeah. here's information about our church and just say, Hey, we would love to have you come visit. And that's an easy way to get, you know, your church people in, engaged. I'm, I'm a big fan of events. So I think, you know, we would do anniversary Sunday. And I would tell our people, invite every one of your coworkers, friends, anyone that owes you a favor, and it will be the best sermon I preach on salvation all year long. Mm-hmm. And we canceled all other services. So the only service we had that Sunday was morning service, and then we did a potluck. Mm-hmm. And I told our people, this should be the best meal you make all year. I mean, bring mm-hmm. out your your secret recipes, your favorite desserts, and... Honestly, lost people would, and every year we saw people saved. We, and we never had a year because our people really reached out. And, yeah. uh, I, I do believe in door to door. I think we did that. It, I think when you're starting a church, I mean, how else do you meet people? Yeah. Uh, and what for me was funny is as we, we started small, I had 10 people when I first went to Edmonton. We'd have a huge turnout. And then we became a large church, you know, we're running between five and 600 and then, and we'd still only have like five or six people showing up. But our people were inviting their coworkers all the time. Yeah. And I think that's more organic and that's more healthy. And I think, uh, I would say too, and again, I know people have opinions on this, but I think the knocking on someone's door and saying, can I ask you a personal question? If you were to die right now, where would you go? That's pretty high on the weirdo meter for unsafe people, you know, and I think that in our culture, you really have to build a relationship to some degree. Mm-hmm. So, I, I more encourage our people, look for the just natural ways to invite people. We did a golf tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal, we did a wild game dinner. And uh, we started with 60, then it went 120, then it went 220. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, hunters love to cut. And we had three chefs that cooked wild game. All of the hunters in our church, we asked them to donate meat. Mm-hmm. And um, our ladies just, you know, once it starts going good, your church gets excited about it. You know, and right. when your church people go, man, we have 40 unsafe people come. It's pretty easy next year to say, hey, can we? And then it's like all hands on deck, you know, then. Yeah. And I and I we had great hunters. So now I'd say I want pictures of what you shot. So we would have guys shooting, you know, you know, trophy elk. Yeah. And then I'd show those pictures at the wild game dinner and I'd say, Hey, if you come to our church, you can shoot something like this too. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's interesting because, you know, and that is, I can see how that would be very attractive in, in many contexts. Uh, Victoria is not, is not a big game country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, you have to be I, sensitive I, to your own area, of course. <laughs> I, I, and that I, and I agree with that too. You know, another good thing that Dennis Wilkening, who spoke at the conference, yeah. uh, he bought shirts for his church and all it said is, I love my church. Oh yeah. 
And if I had done that, I would have said, I love my church, Meadowlands Baptist Church. Right. And and I said, why did you leave the church name off? And he said, so that people have to ask, what's yeah. your church? Yeah. And he he said it made it the easiest way for his church people to witness. Yes. Yeah. All they had to do was wear the shirt, and eventually someone is going to ask, "Okay, you love your church, but what church is that?" Yeah, exactly. And, and that, I was that's, like, that's actually a great idea. We we yeah, a new guy who had true. a new guy who had a license plate that was uh, one of these custom license plates, and it was just B, the letter B, and then sure, be sure. And then you're a wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I think things like that help your people just, it, it just becomes easy because then people are asking you. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I just think there's some creative ways to help people engage. Yeah. Um, and, and that's Dennis's idea. I would have never thought of that. Yeah, like, exactly. That's well, a, we have, that's we have to start the conversation, right? There's a, I think one of the problems is, we feel like, uh, like we can do small talk at the grocery tail, but you know, to, to actually meet somebody and, and, uh, and start a conversation. And it's very interesting. There's an older fellow attending our church. I mean, he's probably, I don't know if he's in his, I think he's in his eighties, but he goes, he has a Tim Hortons ministry huh. and he goes to Tim's and, and he just talks to people. And, you know, they, they just anybody and just ask them what they're doing and, and get, and he's brought a couple people to church and, uh, you know, we're trying to reach out to, through that, those network, that kind of networking thing. But he just, he's always on the lookout for people. So. It's, and I think we had a student going to Panera Bread, uh, last year. Okay. And just sat down with a guy who was sitting by himself and just asked if he could talk to him and struck up a conversation. Yeah. And long story short, he led him to the Lord. Well, and, the Lord. and the guy is like, man, I, I, I don't know anything about the Bible. And I, I come to Panera all the time. Could you, could you meet me and disciple me? Yeah. And, uh, so this student, he's, he's a junior. Yeah. Just started meeting with this guy and just sharing the Bible. But you know, when stories like that come on our campus, that excites all everybody to say, Oh, I could do that. I can, yeah. I can have my antenna up. And so. And when I was a pastor, the other thing I did at Meadowlands is I just asked everyone, I call it the Magnificent Seven Challenge, uh, the two houses on the left, two houses on the right, and the three houses across. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that God put you in your home, in your neighborhood, on purpose? Yeah. And, and you know, not all seven of those neighbors are going to engage with you, but you should at least invite them to your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, look for ways to do something nice for them. You know, just say, hey, how can I... How can I impact my neighborhood? God gave me a house here. He put me here. And so, uh, I, where I am currently, I, I'm, I think my neighbors on either side of me, I only have, I'm in the country, so I only have one on the left and one on the right. Yeah. But they would consider me, Joan and I, some of their best friends. And yeah. uh, we've gotten to give them the gospel. They're not saved yet, but they also haven't shut us out after we shared the gospel right. because we're friends. And, yeah. um, we watch their house when they go on vacation. We, help them out when they're working on anything that we see we can help with. And I just think it evangelism so often is just having your antenna up yeah. to just say, how can I connect? And I'm, and intentionally I'm doing things to purposely try and connect with lost people. 
Yeah, during our conference, I went to a, a workshop that was led by Dean Taylor on, and basically that same topic, the idea of your neighborhood and reaching your neighborhood. Uh, I showed him a, a, just a few weeks before, we had a neighbor checking out our gr- trash cans. I showed him a picture. It was a, it was a big black bear. <laughs> I'm not inviting him. <laughs> but, but anyway, the, uh, uh, but yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, there are, um, there are contacts we can naturally make, but we need to learn how to have conversations with people and, 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 uh, and, and get to know them and not, I think there's also, there's a bit of a, uh, feeling that we've got to get to the gospel right now, this second. I agree. That's and a mistake, I think. It, it is a mistake because then, the, you know, what, uh, what are, what is the relationship? Is there really one or are you just trying to score points for your church? Exactly. Yeah. So well, it's kind of that old people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think in this culture, people are wanting friends. They want relationships. And I agree. I, I just think you have to, that's kind of coming back to, I don't know that you can knock on the door and say, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. You know, maybe that worked, you know, decades ago, but that really, you know, that'd be like me walking up to you and asking, how's your kidney? And, yeah. you know, if I've never met you before, you're like, I'm, I'm not talking about my kidney. And I, you know, but if, if I am your friend and I say, how's your kidney? Well, then you'll talk about that. And I think when you're talking about someone's soul, if you have no relationship with them, that for lost people, that seems cultish. You know, I mean, it just seems. Yeah. And and I think that's why we need to look for those avenues to build relationships. And that's why I think events, you know, whether it's golf or church picnic or anniversary Sunday, I mean, and in, in your context, I think you had a good point too. Like, you know, Victoria and Edmonton are two very different cities. Yeah. And I mean, you can't even get to Victoria unless you take a ferry or you fly there, you know, and so, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, but, you know, maybe you do something, you know, about the garden. I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. People come from all over the world to go to Bouchard Garden and, you know, and so you just say, you know, maybe there's things around a big event that they're doing that we can do. I don't know, you know, but I just yeah. think. I agree with you that you, that's the danger sometimes when you come to an evangelism conference is everyone just says, this is what worked for me. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't work in it, you know, and I was in a big city, you know, if, if I'm in a small town, I don't think I'm knocking on every single person's door, you know, every six months. I think that they're going to get irritated with that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, but in, in my city, I could have knocked on doors for a lifetime and never, Yes, I, 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 that's true. And I, it is, uh, well, it's, it's, there's all kinds of different things that we can do, but yeah. the main thing is, is finding ways to get the conversation started. And I also, one of the things I read a book by a secular guy, very sort of an, but it, it was about having hard conversations. And one of the things he said is you, you draw people out, you ask them questions about, you know, what they think about something. And, and listen and then pick up from that. So I want to shift over now to talking about your ministry at the college. You've been there about nine years now, I think. Is, is that right? I just finished my eighth, just starting my ninth. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, I see, I thought, man, it seems like just yesterday I heard you were moving there and, and then I realized we lost two years from COVID. So that always skews our, our, <laughs> our, our, our sense or our perception. And, um, uh, the, uh, 
Let's see. I, I, the first thing I uh, was going to mention is, I guess, as you went there as president, I mean, you never took any classes at Northland about how to be the president of a Bible college. So no. it was on the job training, I, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, what would you say are some of the most important things you've learned now as you've into it for eight years and, and into the work there? Wow. That's a, that's a big question. It's a lot different than being a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I pastored, people went home after church. Mm-hmm. Uh, here they come and live with me for 16 weeks and 16 weeks. Yeah. And so, um, and I, as a pastor, I didn't feel like I had to replace my entire congregation every four years, mm-hmm. uh, which you have to do in a college setting. And so you're always re- recruiting. Uh, you know, the financial pressures are a lot different in a college setting than they were as a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, having a huge staff. I mean, you, you, we have, you know, 70 plus full-time employees and about the same part-time employees. And so, uh, you know, when I was pastoring in Edmonton, I had a large ministry, but I only had four employees, you know, four direct employees besides myself. And so, mm-hmm. um, that was a big adjustment and, uh, traveling a lot, you know, I mean, that wasn't, I honestly thought I was coming here to just disciple college kids. And, uh, when I got here in front of, that's pretty much none of my job description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that, and yet that's still the funnest part. You know, I still, I love our students. I love, I, I pr- intentionally try and invest in five guys a year, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the thoughts I had and why I would even come. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that if I could invest in five guys a year in 20 years, I'd be a hundred guys mm-hmm. to help influence and, yeah. uh, but thankfully, Doc O is around. You know, he actually lives right across our campus. He's a great source of uh, counsel for me. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I've tied in with uh, American Biblical Higher Education, ABHE. Uh, they run a lot of classes. I, Joan and I just started taking a ton of classes, mm-hmm. uh, anything on being a president. And um, so, honestly, I feel like after eight years, I'm maybe just finally starting to understand what the role is and what I'm supposed to do. But <laughs> it was very overwhelming my first few years here. I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I have. Uh, was very pleased to hear that you uh, as uh, had a. We're expecting a large class this year, and uh, uh, I think uh, somebody I forget one of your guys there took us a group of us on a tour of the campus and the things that have been going on, the new new building since I was there last. And uh, I think they said that you're expecting a total enrollment of somewhere around 500 this year. Is that about right? That's, that is correct. So um, not all on campus. Our on-campus will be, you know, between 350 and 400. But, right. um, but then when you count in online and we have a seminary, so we have about 80 full-time students in our seminary. And so, yeah, God – God's really been blessing. We've grown 25% in the dorms this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, we actually ran out of space. It was a crazy, <laughs> we, we have people living with us right now. We, we have guest apartments. We've turned them all into dorms. I mean, we're just cramming yeah. students in every nook and cranny. I think we're 71 more on campus students, uh, this year than last year. And we're, we're expecting another growth next year. Like God has been, really growing faith in the last few years and it's been exciting. So, and, and, and the needs are there. Like yeah. Yeah. all, all of our teachers are getting five or more offers each. I mean, the Christian schools cannot get enough teachers. Yeah. Uh, mission agencies are, you know, they're having more missionaries retire than 
come to the field. I, I get calls all the time of churches that just, I mean, I have churches that have been waiting two, three years for youth pastors. They just can't get an assistant pastor. Yeah. I have congregations that can't get a pastor. And I, I would say until I traveled and came here, I just didn't know how desperate the need is. But, you know, I tell people we need to grow because the needs are overwhelming. Like, yeah. even though we're having good growth, we're still a drop in the bucket to the needs that are out there right now. Well, that's really true. I, well, there was a, you know, there's this thing called the baby boom, which I'm, a, I'm part of and we're all, you know, keeling, keeling over here and, and, uh, uh, figuratively speaking, some and some literally. And, you know, uh, I, I see friends posting on Facebook about their retirement and I, I'm saying, well, what's that? I mean, I have, yeah. you know, like, you know, I have that no proves you're a baby boomer right there. Yeah. I was like, man. So, uh, the thing is, uh, but the reality is we have, you know, we have to be planning for replacement. And, and like you say, the statistics say there's, there's not enough, um, you know, young men ready to stand in the gap and fill all the pulpits that are going to need to be filled in the next 20 years or even five years, perhaps. Right. So, uh, what, how, uh, are the students at Faith, um, what, how many are in sort of, uh, full-time ministry preparation, would you say? Um, I mean, and again, how do you define full-time? But if you're talking pastoral mission. Pastoral ministry, I guess is what I'm thinking about. Oh, yeah. pastoral ministry, probably yeah. a third. You know, a so third. Yeah. we have about a third of our students that are interested in pastoral ministry. And then, you know, you always have a group of students that are coming for one year and then mm. and God gets a hold of their heart. And, yeah. you know, they say, they tell us I'm only coming one year and then yeah, yeah. I'm staying two years and then, oh, God's called me into ministry. And yeah, so, last words. Uh, yeah, so I would say we see that every year. I mean, yeah. every year there's students that throughout the school year, God calls into full-time ministry. And so, yeah. um, which is exciting, you know. Yeah, that well, that's absolutely right. Like when I first went to BJ, I was a business major and I was planning to transfer to a Canadian school after one year. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and somehow things changed. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, I think that, uh, certainly to me, that's a vital heartbeat with me is to see preachers classes, however you define them, yeah. growing with young men who are, you know, really committed to, to the Lord and the Lord's work. That's where the discipleship part comes in. Uh, and I, you know, not to brag on Dean and Faith Taylor, but, you know, Dean, Dean has pastored two large ministries and God has blessed his ministry and he just really connects with young men. He's really connecting with pastors. Like he, he's really passionate about working with pastors, trying to get them interns. Um, interesting as you talk to pastoral students, you ask who their favorite preacher is. Mm. Almost always it's their home pre, home pastor. Like, Whoever they grew up in, when you say, hey, who do you love? Who's your favorite preacher? Mm-hmm. Most of them say it was the pastor of my home church. And mm-hmm. so Dean does a great job of really connecting with those guys, getting them into internships. And mm-hmm. Dean personally is just so passionate about seeing guys get well-prepared and going into ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, and faith is a great asset as well. And so they're they're just a huge blessing. I, I think what I love about Dean and Faith is they're not teaching students to be pastor and pastor's wives from a book. They did it. 
Yeah. And, and now they're saying, hey, we're going to take this section of our life and, mm-hmm. and really pour into that next generation. And uh, God's just really blessing their ministry. They're a, they're a wonderful asset here at Faith. Right. And I think, I, you know, we have, uh, there's several colleges in our, you know, our orbit or whatever you want to call it that are doing a similar work. And, uh, well, more power to them. We need more, yes, more. Absolutely. We're not, we're not competitors in a sense. I mean, in a sense we are, but we're, there's. Well, I uh, like what, uh, I think it was Kevin Shaw who said, it's like two flies fighting over an elephant. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a good statement that, you know, there's enough, there's enough students out there. And I would say we need all of our Christian schools. I, I say it all the time. We're co-laborers, not competitors. I mean, yeah. we might, we might be competitors on a sports field, but, you know, you get out working at camp. I tell our students all the time, you're going to work with kids from Bob Jones, Maranatha, Appalachian, you know, and you, once you start working camp and then when you get in ministry, I mean, even look at us in Canada. Yeah. I mean, we got people from all kinds of different colleges, but once you get to Canada, you're like, you love the Bible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're my friend, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, you know, and, and so it just, I think practically when you get in ministry, then you don't care what mm-hmm. college they went to, you just care, do, are we, can we work together now? And I think yeah. sometimes then you're a college student, you get so competitive that yeah. it hurts us. And so yeah. I just try to remind our students, hey, we're co-laborers. These are sister institutions. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I thought that was really good at our, at the conference too. I mean, I think we had four or five different colleges represented yeah. and yeah, uh, it was excellent. Yeah, I thought that that was a great meeting really and, and really appreciated, you know, everything that went on there. Well, how are we doing on time? I think we're pretty close to the uh, end of the half hour. And I uh, really appreciate, Jim, you taking time out of your schedule. I know you're just starting your school year. Uh, you've got uh, a whack of new students uh, rolling in. And uh, and I trust the Lord will give you a great year in, in uh, this coming year and many tremendous decisions for the Lord amongst your students. Thank body. you very much. We're very excited. And it's been a wonderful to join you here in your podcast today. All right. Well, uh, this is Don Johnson, and we're signing off for the Proclaim and Defend podcast for this round with Jim Tillotson of Faith Baptist Bible College in Ankeny, Iowa. Check out their website. And uh, and uh, if your students are looking for a good school to go to, this is one of them. And we certainly appreciate the work that's going on there. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.